I can genuinely say I missed you guys last week. I mean, as great as New England was, I missed being here. So, The great thing about Pointway is that uh, I know that Pointway is more than the pastor, and, and things ran smoothly last week. I thank Joe for preaching for me and filling in, and uh, everything got done irregardless uh, whether I was here or not, which and probably got done better. If, right, John? Those things better? Yeah. Oh, that's good. He's not going to confirm or deny that statement. Um, for you that were worried um, that, you know, I was in New England, um, I did have lobster, I did have whoopie pies, I had seafood, I saw the ocean, I was up in the mountains, I did uh, donate blood this morning. I, I'm working already on coming back, come on, I was working hard this morning. I did have some lobster and some butter, some butter and lobster. It was great. It was great. It was great spending time in the cabin with four grandkids, even though there was a couple of illnesses, and uh, our, yeah, I think I had some other kids as well, but the grandkids were all that was important, so I uh, worked on my muscles holding babies and playing with the, the other two, but we had a blast, so thank you. Thank you, Steve. It was great. It was great to get away, and have you ever had one of those vacations where you're gone a week and it seems like a month? That was one of those for us. It just felt like coming back in last night, it was like, Man, I feel like I've been gone forever, and yet it was only a week. So I'm glad to be back, and also glad to be here this morning. And Denise, Galatians 2, for you this morning, Galatians 2. Denise was upset with me a couple weeks ago because I did Acts 15 instead of Galatians 2, but she understood after we went through that, and she actually booed me, and I was like... I'm just teasing Denise. Denise is wonderful. Denise, though, is one of those folks that reads ahead and, and studies and prepares, and I love that about her. And so, yes, we are continuing on in our study of Galatians. Again, Paul wrote this to not just in a small area, but actually a larger area. There are a number of churches in that area of Galatia. And again, think of it more like a county, right? And there's, there's different towns in the county and different areas, and, and so it covers a broad base, and this letter was intended to be passed from church to church to church. But there was a problem in the day, right? And we saw that in, in chapter 1, right? The, the problem was that there was a stumbling block put in front of the Gentile believers, right? They were requiring them to get circumcised. They said, you have to kind of go back and become a Jew in order to get saved. And, and Paul vehemently says, no, that's not grace, right? That's going back to the law. And so Paul is fighting that battle, and you see that over the, through the letter over and over again, and it's one that's not only in, in Galatia, but it was actually all over the, the new territory. The new churches were all battling that. The church in Jerusalem was primarily Jews, and so they were fine with it. They, they didn't have that problem, but as Gentiles are starting to come in, and now that we have new people, how do we accept them? Right? How do we accept them in, and, and what you know, what do we make them do to become us? And again, this thing of going back to the law and circumcision becomes a, a real issue. And why we went to the Jerusalem Council and looked at that and how they wrestled with that, right? The, the apostles all came together and the, the heads of the church and, and they wrestled with this idea of like, how do we make this work? We, we want to be unified even though we have different people, right? Different people can come together and worship together. Amen? Right? We're different. We come from different areas, even from New England. 
But again, this was much stronger, right? Because again, this is a long-standing problem, and it's a problem of, of that's been created a divide, and Paul works against that. And last time we talked about how we sometimes can put stumbling blocks in other people before we share the gospel, right? Many of you came up to me afterwards and, 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 and were touched by that because in your own lives, you realized that as well. And, and I told you, I was still working on that, right? There was something that was struggling with me, and, and God laid it out to me later on that week. But one of the things that I put in front of other people is I think, like especially in recovery, that they haven't got to their bottom yet. And so I don't share the gospel early on. I, I wait for them to get into recovery or I wait for them to get cleaned up before I share the gospel, and that's backwards. That's, that's the wrong way of looking at things. And so in a way, I'm putting a stumbling block. I'm requiring them to do something in order to share the good news. And so God convicted me of that and, and says, Charlie, you got to stop doing that. And some of you shared some of the other things that we do to put stumbling blocks in front of people, right? And we're all guilty of that. And so Paul fights against that, and he speaks out against that, again, for the sake of the Gentiles, Right? Peter has his mission. Peter is, is, is going after the Jews, and, and the early church is Jewish believers, and now they're branching out, and these Gentiles are coming to Christ. And so we pick up that here in chapter 2. Right? We, we, with that as a, a good backdrop, we see here Paul now is fighting for his role as leader. Right? If, if you don't like the message, right? Then, and the message, you can't argue with the message, then shoot the messenger. Right? Discredit the messenger, the person giving you those words, right? That's always the easiest. That's right, start personally attacking them. Right? I don't know how many of you have been in an argument and done the same thing. I, I'm guilty of that, right? If I'm losing an argument and I'm throwing everything I can at it, eventually at some point I'll just start shooting at the person. Well, if you were just from New England, you would understand what lobster's like or you know, whatever it is, right? Or if PJ, if you were just like a guy, you would understand. I'm, I'm in trouble as soon as I do that. Right? If you start attacking the, the person speaking that God's using, you're in trouble. And so that's what they're doing to Paul here. They're discrediting Paul. And so Paul is making the argument, I, I am an apostle. I have the authority to speak here. And so that's why Paul lays out here his journey. And so we pick that up here in chapter 2. He says, And after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, I took Titus along also. All right, a couple guys here, right? And again, I think Paul puts the 14 years in here as though, hey, it's been a while, right? I'm, I'm not a new convert anymore, right? It's been a few years since I've, I became a follower of Christ. And I took Barnabas, a, a well-respected Jew, right? And Titus, who's a Gentile believer, and Titus is actually his, his project. Titus is the one that he invests in. Titus is the one that he's bringing along. And so he brings the two of them together to Jerusalem. And he goes there because that's where the apostles are. That's where the, the home church is for now. Uh, it's going to get spread out and sent out from there. But Jerusalem is home base. And he says, I went in response to a revelation and, met, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running a race in vain. It's interesting here. Paul knows the answer, right? Paul's been given this mission by God, but yet he wants confirmation from people that he respects. 
And I say that's quite often like a, as, a, as a pastor, it's great when you have elders and you can bounce things off of them, right? You can glean from them, and, and, and there's that, that help in making decisions. You know, am I getting off the tracks here? Right? And they help steer you and bring you in. God may lay it on your heart, but you sometimes need that, that wisdom on how to carry it out. And God uses godly men and women around you to help direct you, to help shape you, and keep you from getting too far off the rails. And so Paul is doing the same thing here, and he's presenting to them the gospel that he preached to the Gentiles, right? Again, we know that he's preaching that gospel without circumcision. That's the big question. That's the elephant in the room. So verse 3 says, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false teachers, false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves, right? So Paul says there's been people coming in and they've been causing confusion. Yet I have exhibit A, right? Titus has been with me. Titus has been growing. God's using Titus as a new believer, right, in Christ, and he's not circumcised because it's not about circumcision. It's not about our works. It's about what God is doing in and through us, which is the key to this. But he's got these people, and he has to deal with them. And again, he got some confirmation, but now he's, he's saying, right, we have this problem in our churches. And so he says, verse 5, he says, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Hmm, it sounds like a verse in James or something. If I think I read that, remember that somewhere when we studied that, right? We spent a lot of time on favoritism, right? And Paul makes this point about favoritism early on because, again, he's an apostle and, and he is saying, I am equal with the other apostles, Right? I value their opinion, but I am co-laboring with them. Two different mission fields, but I'm a co-laborer with these. And so it's setting that up and setting this, this up for what's yet to come. And again, he's saying, I did not give into those held in high esteem. He means he, he didn't give into those false believers that were there. He wouldn't allow them to speak into the new believers. He wouldn't allow them to put that requirement on them. Verse 7, it says, On the contrary, they recognize that I've been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter has been to the circumcised. Right? Like I said, two ministries, two different groups, but equal. Right? We can co-labor with them. That's one of the things I love about the Alliance is, is we work with other ministries, we work with other churches, and we have different missions quite often. We have different people we're trying to reach. The Alliance also doesn't try to step on the toes of someone else. We try to work along. You see that here. And again, Paul and Peter have two different missions, but they're equal in their authority. Verse 8, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to circumcise, was also in work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, these esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles. 
and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that, they sh- that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I've been eager to do all along. Again, that sounds almost like a strange statement there, kind of tucked in on the end, right? You know, Paul's recognized and, and Barnabas, and they say, you know, go ahead, go reach the Gentiles, but don't forget about the poor. Well, see, one of the things that you don't know if you don't read the context or the history behind it, things are getting hot. It's been starting into this long period of a famine. Things are getting tight. Things are getting hard on the believers and hard on even the, the area of Jerusalem. And so the poor are increasing. There is more and more poor around them, and especially among the believers. And, and so the Jerusalem church is struggling. And they're saying, hey, don't forget about us in some ways. And if you read your Bibles long down the road, right, they end up taking an offering and bringing it back to Jerusalem. They end up blessing them. You know, the home church needs help, and they, the, the, the foster kids that are out there running around go back and, and bring them back. It's a beautiful picture of the church working together. And so Paul, I think, never forgets that, and he mentions that here. Hey, it's the very thing that I've been eager to do all along, right? Paul cares. He obviously cares for the, the Jew believers as much as he does for the Gentile believers. And so he's making that statement here. Again, the right hand of fellowship is, is a symbolic thing, but it's a, a passing of authority, recognition of who he is, right? An acceptance. Then it kind of breaks here a little bit. And we lose that if we read it all together, but there's a break here in the, the timeline a little bit. And we see here when Peter came to Antioch, right? There's, there's some time that's gone on in between, but because of the way the letter's written, it, it pulls it together. But Paul writes this and, and captures this encounter with Peter. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Who here likes hypocrisy? Not a hand went up. Nobody, right? Isn't that one of the things that really bothers you, right? We have all these nice catchy sayings, right? Walk the walk and talk the talk, and, and, and we expect a certain behavior out of things, right? Not the do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work well, right? That doesn't flow nice. Well, it's the same thing here. Paul sees Peter, even though Peter's agreed to, and Peter used to hang out with the Gentiles, now all of a sudden he's pulling back. So imagine that you have a room here of people, and say our coffee area back there, and, and there's a group that's sitting, and they're of one group, and all of a sudden that you were sitting and have this conversation, someone walks in, you see them, and all of a sudden you back away. And it's all like, like I don't want to be seen, and you end up going over with them, leaving them behind. And so Paul calls him out on it. Paul's, Paul doesn't let that slide for a minute, right? It's an interesting encounter here. I mean, uh, many scholars kind of wrestle with this. It's like, well, should he rebuke you know, Peter in public? And many would say, well, Peter's a, a leader, and it happened in public, so it should be dealt with in public. You can make that argument. Um, Paul could have gone to him privately, and say, hey, I watched you and I noticed something that, you, that happened. But Paul is so offended at this point and so um, irate at what's being shown by his actions that he calls him out on the spot. 
And I'll leave it up to you whether it's right, wrong. And again, that's kind of a church discipline thing. It's kind of uh, gets kind of hairy at times and when to do things publicly and privately and who to meet. And again, Scripture gives us some guidelines, but there's room in that for some freedom. But where these two are leaders, Paul calls them out and says, hey, why are you pulling away from the Gentiles just because your friends came in, your Jewish friends? He's not going to stand for it. He's setting a bad example. And even more so the fact that, again, they're in Antioch, right? They're not in Jerusalem. So it was even more noticeable. And most likely in Antioch, there were many more Gentiles there as well. So, again, it kind of makes more sense that it would have been more obvious. And so Paul calls him out, and, and we look here at the response. It says, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Uh-oh, even Barnabas? Come on, Barnabas is Paul's buddy, right? That's his missionary journey buddy. That's his encourager. That's the guy that, that went up to him with Jerusalem. He spent time with him. He's done life with him. They're buddies. And yet, even Barnabas was led astray, right? These certain Jews came in, and Barnabas bailed on him. So Paul corrects the situation. Verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. And even not like a Jew, how is it then that you have forced Gentiles to follow, follow Jewish customs? Right? Now, Peter's not saying you have to, to, to be circumcised to be saved, but his actions are showing that, right? He's not treating Gentile believers like the Jewish believers. Right? He's showing favoritism. Right? They're not the same. They're not equal. And all along, Paul's saying they are equal in Christ. Right? They're believers. In fact, Paul later on writes, right? There's neither Jew nor Gentile. He just says, do away with it all. It doesn't matter. All that matters is the gospel, that you're a believer in Christ. And so he calls Peter out, and again, he, he hits him pretty hard, to be honest. Paul hits Peter here pretty hard when he calls him a Gentile. He says, you're acting like a Gentile, even worse than a Gentile, right? The hypocrisy just stinks so bad. And then he goes into this long explanation here of why this is so bad. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have to put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified in faith, justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That's a rich passage, actually. It's a lot in there. But it's not by works, right? We are not saved by what we do. We are saved by what Christ did on the cross. Hopefully that's clear, all right? If there's any question on that, right? It's not by what we do. It's not by the works. It's not getting ourselves ready. So Paul wants to make that clear. We're not justified by our works. In fact, the Jews should realize that more than anyone, right? Because they tried over and over again, right? They, they kept trying. They kept trying to live by that law, and they just kept failing, right? 
And I don't know about you, but I can live by a set of rules for a while, but usually at some point I trip up, right? I might do well for a little bit, and then God shows something, and I'm convicted I've messed up again. It doesn't go very long. It doesn't take me. In fact, I may or may not have hit my horn more than once in Boston getting out of the airport. It was a nightmare on Friday night for some reason. Not operating in my... I was operating in my flesh, I'll just say it, so not happy. And I can't justify it in any way, so... My kids reminded me that they were really good about that. Rachel and Ernie were on top of it, so especially Ernie because he was riding co-pilot. So uh, he may that may be part of the reason why he's home recovering this morning. <laughs> no. uh, but it's not by our works, right? All the law does is just show us our sins. It shows us our need for Christ. It shows us that need for grace. Verse seventeen, he goes on. He says, "But if in seeking to be justified in Christ." We Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. All right. I told you, Laurie, tell me that's not sarcastic, right? Tell me that. that, 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 just, that I, I love that, right? right? Christ promotes sin? No, absolutely not. Of course not, right? That's absurd. Right? That's not what he meant. That's not why he died. Uh, certainly not. He says, 18, he says, if I rebuild what I destroy, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Hey, that sounds familiar. Except for it was Ezra, not Enoch. So, hey, Enoch. Oh, man. I missed my grandkids a little bit this morning. Just a little. Uh, verse 19. For the, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. I don't know about you, that's not one of those verses I want to underline and highlight, and sometimes I need to get back to that, right? It's Christ living in me that allows me to do anything, right? right? It's that having that personal relationship and having him inside me that allows me to walk and not break the law. Right? He's the one that does that work. I can't do it on my own. I need him. And so these verses are, are dear, and, and Paul lays it out beautifully. And again, this message was given to the churches as well, right? I, I no longer for, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? Again, we're going to celebrate communion today. And again, just remembering that moment in time when Christ did that for us because he loved us that he gave himself up for each and every one of us. How fitting that is for today. So Paul's arguing the point and making it clear that these believers understand that it's not by the law, it's not by your works, it's not by circumcision, it's by Christ alone. In verse 21, as we wrap up this morning, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law... Christ died for nothing. Again, that's the gospel. And again, as he said, we can't add to that and we can't take away from it, right? Otherwise, it becomes no gospel at all. And that's the good news that we need to be sharing. Our, our missions moment, right? She was sharing that good news of Christ. She's, that's why we support our missionaries. It's why we need to do it even in our own context, right? Our own communities, sharing the good news of Christ.
not about being good. It's not about following rules. It's about having that personal relationship with Jesus, realizing that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And so Paul, I think he strengthens his gospel message here, and he strengthens his case as he's making it uh, to these Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And so he solidifies that here in chapter 2. We'll go on with that a little bit more next time that we meet as we get into chapter 3. I am planning on doing chapter 3 next, and so uh, you can, can study on ahead with that as well. But again, this morning, just as we prepare for communion, just a couple of things I want you to reflect on is, what does the gospel mean to you, and what are some of the things that you maybe have put in there that are not part of the gospel, right? What are some of the things that you may have added to it, Right? Sometimes it, it, it seems like it's almost too simple, right? But is it? No. It's important. Too important to miss out on it. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for taking us from outside and bringing us in to relationship with you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord. And Lord, as we remember you this morning, and Lord, may we be reminded each and every day that we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace, the grace that you provided for us. Lord, help us to be eager to share that with those around us who are hurting, those around us who are in need, that we not lose sight of what's first and most important. You. Lord, I thank you for my Point Away family, and I thank you for our time this morning. And Lord, as we come around your table, I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask a couple of my elders to come and help serve this morning. You're visiting with us this morning. Our communion table is open. Uh, it's an open communion table, and what that means, it's open to any believer. It's, uh, it's not a members-only thing or or point-way only thing, but if you're here as a believer today, you're welcome to partake of that. Um, but we do take it seriously here at Pointway, and we follow the Scriptures and what it says. And so Scripture says to us, says, so whenever you eat or drink, eat of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what we like to do here at Pointway is just give you a few moments just between you and God, just bow your head, just a moment of silence, and make sure that things are right between you and your Lord. going to ask Rick if he'll give thanks for the, the bread and for the cup that we are about to receive.
Amen. Didn't lose one of our elders. He just wanted to go out and make sure that we, a few people are out back still serving. So he's going out there. So we'll give him a minute. Tears. Thank you, Rick, for doing that. Do this together. It says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. Taking the cup, he said in the same way after supper, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up and as we also like to do as well, as we notice that there's still some cups left, and it's a reminder for us, and there's some empty chairs here, especially this morning, a reminder for us that there are still people out there that don't know Christ yet, and so it should spur us on to share the good news this week. So take that charge and go forward. Thank you. <clears throat>